When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guests. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Tennessee Duke, a football Friday with Fred loaded up with you. Welcome to the program. We appreciate those that are awaiting the beginning of the show, and we are off and rolling. If we have bags under our eyes, it was because Tennessee played a night game, of course, and they beat Louisiana in a game that was technically one possession but never really felt like that we discussed it extensively on the post game show that you can check out on our youtube page i uh, would appreciate that hit the thumbs up button give us a subscription greatly appreciate it and if you haven't downloaded the app you're missing out you'll absolutely love the app it is fantastic so for those that weren't up last night and there were there uh, quite a few people on board after the game but for those that weren't and you're getting the first taste of what Caleb and Dave think of the game last night let's kind of encapsulate quickly before we get to a very busy show we're going to preview Tennessee's offensive line Tennessee's running backs we've got a lot going on spring practice begins on Monday so let's go ahead and get it rolling in 60 seconds or less good morning Travis in 60 seconds or less what did you think about the Vols last night and their win against Louisiana as they move forward to play Duke, which is at 2.40. I don't know how they decide the times. It used to be that was set before the tournament started. But anyway, it's 2.40, which is good because when Tennessee plays during the day, I think it gets people more excited than they play at night. You're just kind of, eh. But anyway, your thoughts on the game, Caleb? Well, 60 seconds or less, it was, and I have a column up on this now, it was everything we've said about the Vols all year. It was literally vintage Tennessee. Boring defense, massive offensive dry spells that allow teams to come back from 18 points down and make it a game late. Um, And still the one that we said the last two weeks, still struggling with their identity post Zakai Ziegler. That being said, they had a great defensive scheme going in. I mean, that was actually defensive coaching the way they played that yesterday. I, I got to give Rick Barnes credit for that. I don't believe defense wins championships. I never will. But 
I can in an individual game by game basis. And that doesn't mean I can't give credit where it's due. And his defensive game plan last night was flawless. I mean, Tennessee switched on every three point shot, every single three point shot Louisiana took was contested. And that was crucial. They didn't let Jordan Brown go off. Jordan Brown got his points, but it wasn't like while they were contesting three point shots, Jordan Brown was hitting under the bat, having a Wilt Chamberlain night of 55 points or something like that. And so they did, they schemed exactly what they needed to do. It's their offense. Again, that was an issue shooting under 60% from the free throw line. That's a concern post on the message board. It was total domination of Louisiana. Mm, 30 minutes. I thought you definitely let Louisiana come back and make a game of it. And Tennessee, yes, defensive domination, but you, you shouldn't ever give up the type of run that they did because your offense should be able to score some points. Um, and it was basically a, about a 15 and 0 run that made it, into a ball game that really never felt like it was in jeopardy, but, but still it ended up being a one possession game. So uh, Tennessee will play Duke on Saturday. Love the matchup um, from the perspective of Tennessee. And, and it's, it's a program building game. As long as the balls can hang the pro and I mean that, but that's rhyme. But the, but the issue is Duke has three, guys that could go in the first round. Tennessee has maybe one, and that one doesn't show up sometimes in big games. And I'm referring to Santiago Vascovi. So um, I, I don't really know how Tennessee pulls out the win, but Vegas seems to think it's quite possible, just a two-and-a-half-point spread. I was very surprised by that spread last night. I thought it would be six or seven. Uh, but the latest I saw was two and a half, Caleb. Is that what you're seeing? You're a gambling expert. Yeah, they they upped it to three today. Um, I think what it is is Duke. You know, Ron told us on Wednesday he would much rather he he doesn't want to play one of those teams that just shoots lights out and shoots a lot of shots that like of what Oral Roberts does, even though they lost. Um, Duke isn't good from three. That's one thing that works in Tennessee's advantage. Um, they don't shoot well from outside. Now. There are a lot of other things that go in their favor. I think, but this Duke team seems constructed like, dare I say, one of John Calipari's vintage Kentucky teams. They don't play like John Cal. They don't. They don't run the dribble drive. But you know, they're more. Don't that they strike you as a little more athletic than they do? Than than what a Coach K team was known for being, which was a little more finesse and great shooting from the outside and. I mean, they still have a good inside game. They still have a good inside game. I'm not going to take that away from them. But yeah, those Coach K teams, though, I'm going way back with Leitner and and those guys were they were pretty tough too. They were pretty physical. Watching Duke yesterday and watching them throughout the season, I think they're pretty physically gifted. I think this if this is a Coach K coach team, and I'm not taking anything away from John Shire, but. If this is Mike Krzyzewski's team with this group of talent, I think you have a team that you, you would easily predict and say that's the team to beat, at least in, in, in this region, but maybe in the entire tournament, because I don't think there is a clear-cut favorite in this tournament. But this Duke team is talented, is athletic. You knock defense a lot, and you did give them credit just now. Uh, talking about Tennessee, but I have to think that Tennessee has a slight advantage 
because they are a defensive team and you've got a 48 hour less than that, a 40 hour turnaround uh, for this game. So I, I like Tennessee. I like Rick Barnes in this position because he's, he's been to the tournament before a tremendous amount of success, but I think he's got the logistics in hand to be prepared for Duke. And I'm sure they were preparing for Duke over uh, Oral Robertson anyway. So uh, we'll see, but uh, Tennessee at the very least has to show up, play a good game. This is a program builder. I know it's winner go home, but this is not a team given injuries that you expect to go to the final four, be respectable at the very least. Maybe I'm being too easy on them, but you, you got to certainly take care of that. Travis says it's the tangibles that they have to clean up less fouls, more free throws. We beat Duke and turnovers in the first half is something that is just not doable for the Vols with the way they play defense and they don't score the basketball a lot. So they're going to have to limit turnovers. Uh, Nick says, keep up the good work. We'll try Nick. I appreciate that. Download the app. If you haven't done that yet, set your notifications on whether you're on Spotify, Apple, wherever YouTube as well but it'll be Tennessee Duke at 240. I'm looking forward to that. I've already got my wings set up, so uh, that's pretty much all I need. Did you did you hit wings yesterday? Did you you have to hit wings in the NCAA tournament? So, I actually tried. We have a local pub that I go to. Maybe a little more than I should. I'm spending too much money there, but um uh, if the if the bartender ever says, uh, "Hey, uh, this guy pays for my electric bill." I've had that one time, so Oh, <laughs> there, there you go. Um, we, we are very friendly with the bartenders. Um, I will say that I had a buffalo shrimp sandwich yesterday. They have a different special each week, and I had buffalo shrimp, and that was really good. St. Patty's Day today, so they're doing corned beef there, but I've been having corned beef all week. So, unfortunately, Yes, it is St. Patty's Day. I didn't even think about that. Another holiday that we have taken from another country and another heritage and turned into a reason to get bleep face drunk. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Although Cinco de Mayo is actually an American holiday. A lot of people don't know that, but <laughs> yeah, a lot of people think it's the Mexican Independence Day, which it's not, but that's all right. Yeah. Um, so uh, we've got a lot to get to. Again, Fred White, uh, spring preview, offensive line, linebackers, and Tennessee's offense. Is it the new in vogue thing? Is it going to be copied from school to school? A team that Tennessee played last year is open and honest about it. They are going to try to copy what the Vols do offensively, period. End of discussion. They've said it, and I think you're going to see much more of that. It is time for a four downs. We get to that right now, and it's brought to you by Andy Mason Real Estate. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. I'll tell you more. Four downs now off the hook sports. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Bounds. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Brought to you today by Andy Mason Real Estate. They'll save you thousands or tens of thousands of dollars in the real estate market in Knoxville. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Best prices, best service. How about that? First out, what can Tennessee build on from Thursday night and the win over Louisiana? Caleb Calhoun, what say you? I think they can build on they found somewhat of an, a defensive identity without Zakai Ziegler. Um, that 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 really stands out to me. Um, they weren't able to push the tempo defensively or press or try to cause havoc the way they usually would with Zakai. 
but their half court defense really kind of found itself and they can really build on that specifically. I felt like they were a little lost during the SEC tournament without Ziegler. I'm going to be a little lame. I think just confidence. I think this team is still trying to find itself without Sakai Ziegler. So you move on, you advance. There should be some more confidence there. Second down, what does Tennessee need to improve on? Let me start first. Turnovers in the first half. That to me could be the Achilles heel for this defensive team. And it didn't crop up in the second half, and I think that's why Tennessee won the game. But a few more turnovers in the second half, you're talking about a real basketball game. You might be talking about a a nip and tuck, uh, one-upping each other in the final few minutes. But the balls, for the most part, protected the basketball in the second half. Uh, But uh, Tennessee cannot have double-digit turnovers in the first half against Duke and expect to hang around in the second half. I'll give you that. Turnovers is a good one. That's two games in a row where they had early first half turnovers and it cost them against Missouri late. And then it, they held on with Louisiana. I'm going to go free throw shooting because Tennessee is, is streaky and has dry spells on offense. You have to hit your free throws when you're at like more than other teams. You've got to hit your free throws if you're Tennessee, because you don't have that consistent outside shooting threat. All right. Third down. Can Santiago Vescovi be trusted? Absolutely not. <laughs> he is so – he dis, he's when you miss two free throws, it's back-to-back games to lose regular season games and you're the sharpshooter on the team, and then you disappear in the first NCAA tournament game, I, I'm he may show up. I don't trust him, though. No, I have to agree with you. But you have to. Can yeah. he be? No. Does he have to be? Yes. I mean, where else are you going to generate points at this team if, if you go against a strong defensive effort? And lastly, fourth down, win or lose. Do the balls beat Duke? Three-point spread. Um, I, I'll, I'll start. I think Tennessee plays close. It's a coin flip. I do think uh, that Duke is athletically significantly better if this Tennessee team didn't have any injuries and they were going into a 240 matchup with Duke on Saturday, I would take Tennessee. But I think athletically Duke is significantly better. So I find it hard for them to to beat Duke. But this is not an unbeatable Duke team. For those of you that are casual basketball fans, this, this Duke team is flawed. I, I, I find it a little scary, though, Caleb, that I I read a lot about them and they're hungry because they didn't think that they got an appropriate seed. So they're playing that um, that overlooked, underappreciated card. And if if they're if they're that motivated with their athleticism, I think that's a little bit scary. Yeah, I'll go. um, I'm going to go lose. I'm going to go lose. I think that um, I think Duke has the length and athleticism and. I think even though even though I actually don't think this is a bad matchup for Tennessee, I really don't. Um, I just think those things are going to make it a little bit rougher. And also, I mean, Tennessee is going to be a little more tired than Duke in this game. I mean, this Tennessee game didn't end until midnight last night. And, you know, Duke was done by, I guess, nine, maybe. Not, I mean, not, maybe that, I don't know. I don't know how much of a difference three hours makes, but I feel like at a 240 tip off, Duke has 43 hours. Rest Tennessee has 40. Well, and Tennessee had a real game. I mean, Oral Roberts, that game was never in question. I think it was about a 20-point lead at 10 minutes yeah. in. So, you're right. I mean, that that's that's significant. Again, a 40-hour turnaround. But Tennessee does have depth, so I'll give them that. Let's talk some football as FanDuel has set the 
over under in regular season wins, and I think it's bizarrely stupid. I don't know if bizarrely is a word, but I just made it one. Um, so let's go ahead and get to that right now. FanDuel, eight and a half wins for the Vols in the regular season. What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. What the H today brought to you by Craft Treats. Go to crafttreats.com. If your dog's saying, what the H, I have anxiety. I have arthritis. I have digestive issues. I need chill pills. Then go to crafttreats.com. Use the promo code off the hook. The promo code off the hook can get 20% off the chill pills with CBD or other fantastic holistic pet treats for your dog and or cat. So now I have both and I swore I'd never have either. All right, here we go. The Vandal sets the balls over under regular season wins at eight and a half. Let's dial this back a second. Pre off the hook sports about this time last year, I saw the over under at, for Tennessee heading into the 2022 season at seven and a half. Now it moved to about eight. I think in some places it moved to eight and a half. But I said at the time that I thought that was the easiest over under bet in the entire SEC. And second behind that, Alabama was 10 and a half. I had the over. Um, now this was this was overall wins, not just regular season. And then I had Auburn the under. I believe they were six and a half. I thought those were three pretty good locks. But I had Tennessee at number one. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, I've got Tennessee at nine wins pretty easily. Caleb, I'm surprised by this number. I thought it would have been nine or nine and a half. I'm not the gambling guy. You are, but I would jump all over this number if if I cared to throw money at things like that. Oh, I, I would too. I, I thought it was going to be set at nine and a half. The minute they set it at eight and a half, I'm thinking this is – we've gone through Tennessee's schedule many times. How are they not going to get nine wins? I mean, you know, unless, so, okay, Alabama, Georgia. Okay, we, you got those two. And – but you would have to assume that they're going to lose to Kentucky and Florida after that, which I think they're winning one of those games. They're not losing to South Carolina. And so I, I don't know. Those are the only five teams that you even would consider worth even talking about. The other are circled seven wins. And I think South Carolina is a circled eight win. So you have to think that they're going to lose all four of their, sh- should we say, toss up games. No, so let's go through the schedule quickly before we get to the fan response on Twitter. I posted that question earlier this morning as far as regular season wins. So Virginia opens the season. You'd have to think a win right now. Austin P, a win. That's two. At Florida, let's call that a swing game for funsies, okay? Um, University of Texas, San Antonio, uh, the following week, that would be three. They're not going to lose South Carolina. That's at home. That's a revenge game. So I'm at one, two, three, four. I'm at four wins. Texas A&M, that is at home. Uh, I'm not a Bobby Petrino believer. That feels like a team where morale is down. That feels like a team where Jimbo Fisher is headed out. And Tennessee has been that type of program before. Those type of programs typically don't do well on the road. 
So I've got Tennessee. That you could call that a swing game if you want, but I've got Tennessee. No, you can't. I'm actually I'm I'm more bullish on it than you are. Okay. I think Tennessee blows out Texas AM. I think Texas AM is in for a complete catastrophe this year. And also Tennessee's playing them off a of bye. I I I totally agree. I, I wasn't gonna be as strong there, but yes, I agree. It feels like a program that is just waiting for its coach to exit. And I wonder the type of loyalty and the type of gumption that those players have behind Jimbo Fisher, who's been a complete disaster at College Station. So at Alabama, clearly with what we saw last year, there's no absolute losses, but I think Alabama will have a revenge game against Tennessee, and it is in Tuscaloosa. Uh, Then you have at Kentucky. Kentucky was very average with Will Levis last year, and I know that he was injured for much of the year, but um, if you want to call that a swing game, you can. And then UConn's a win. At Missouri, I believe, is a win. Georgia, you would have to say, is a likely loss, even though it's at Tennessee. But they don't have Stetson Bennett. They're going to have to replace another significant group of uh, athletes, just like they did last year. And then you have Vanderbilt. So if you want to call the two losses – uh, Alabama and Georgia. Okay, I can I can roll with that. I think Tennessee is going to be in both of those games, but I'm I'm struggling to find another surefire loss. And as far as the swing games, which I would consider Florida, Kentucky, I think Tennessee will be favored, even though they're on the road in both of those games. So eight and a half seems very doable if they win one of those swing games. Um, they would be what if they win one of those swing games between Florida and uh, Kentucky, then you're right at uh, you would be right at nine uh, or eight or nine. So you'd be right at nine. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it, and again, I think they're going to play Georgia much better than they did last year. Uh, Alabama. We'll see that's on the road, but I mean, I just see eight and a half is very doable. I'm just going to, I think 10 and two is more likely than eight and four, honestly. You ask me. If you, had to, if you had to choose between the two, ten and two, eight and four. If I had to pick between the two, I would take ten and two. Yeah, I would too. I think ten and two is much more likely, and so I agree. Eight and a half is low. I hope a lot of people put. I hope a lot of people took out money. I haven't checked to see if they've moved the line this morning, because they might have. Because my guess is a lot of people put some money on that eight and a half yesterday on Tennessee hitting the over. <laughs> Yeah, Tennessee is Tennessee is one of those schools that will move the line because there's there's a lot of gambling on Tennessee's side. So if you went in on that line, I would jump on it now. And I again, I thought that last year was the easiest pick among the SEC teams. Here's what surprises me a little bit, Caleb. To be frank with you, is if Tennessee was overlooked and undervalued last year, I get it. You're coming off the first year of Josh Heupel they didn't end the season well in their bowl game and but suddenly you you you're a bona fide team aren't you I mean you were knocking on the door of the college football playoff I don't understand why they're undervalued heading into this season yeah is it as simple as that no I'm with you I think this is a they're seeing what me and you have have somewhat said, which is they don't believe that the Joe Milton we saw against Clemson is the Joe Milton that we're going to see all year. And I, 
I could I could roll with that. I could roll with that theory. But I think even if that's the case, even if that's the case, I still don't see Tennessee going any worse than 93. Even if Joe Milton is the Joe Milton that got benched, I think that Joe Milton could take this Tennessee team nine and three this year. Um, I do too. I, 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 you know, those, they build big buildings in Vegas based off this. So I'm really trying to figure out what I'm missing, but I don't think I'm missing anything. I think 10 and two is more likely than eight and four. I think nine's pretty much a lock. So if you want to jump on that, go for it again. I don't gamble because I've been taught not to gamble by losing. Um, but if, if, and if you're going to jump on that, do it now, because I think that'll end up moving. I wouldn't be surprised if that moved to nine and a half at some point, frankly. Um, so, All right, here we go. So as far as our Twitter uh, poll question, which is that I asked the question based off uh, FanDuel at eight and a half regular season wins, eight, nine, 10, or 11 and 12. Okay, so 11 and 12 wins are all under the same category. Uh, so... 16% said eight, it's a catch-up season. Uh, 44% said nine, balls are simply good. Um, 16% said 10, roll it again. And then 22% said 11 and 12. Um, that would be a heck of a season if Tennessee were able to win 11 regular season games. You would think they would. Uh, have a great opportunity to be in a college football playoff, whether or not they would be in the SEC championship game. You could even lose to Georgia, and as we saw last year, make the college football playoff. Tennessee would have done that had not had it not been for the loss to South Carolina. So, yeah, I think the Tennessee's fans are reasonable, but uh, 44%. Um, and then if you want to add together the 10, 11, and 12, you're looking at – about 80% that believe Tennessee wins nine or more. So, again, it's it's a Tennessee fan base on my Twitter feed, but uh, it seems to be a consensus for the most part among Tennessee fans that they'll win at least nine games this season. And if they just won eight in the regular season, it would be a disappointment. It would be a punch to the gut, Caleb, no question. Oh, absolutely. It'd be a huge one. Um, you know, I think they have more than enough firepower to get nine wins, and – Look, if they get 11 or 12 wins, okay, you, you think Josh Heibel got a nice little contract extension last year or this, this past all season. He's getting a huge one then because that that's that would more than prove that it's just Josh Heibel and he can mix and match anybody that comes into the system. You're right. If he's able to do that with either a Joe Milton who has struggled with accuracy at times or a Nico and – if you're able to to win 9, 10, 11 games this season with that quarterback situation, you would have to say it's that hypo guy, period, end of discussion. Flatline said, will Caleb shave his eyebrows when the Vols beat Duke? I don't know. Why. Oh, I know. I got. How can you tell on this camera? <laughs> what? I think your eyebrows look great. I don't know what he's talking about. You got a little wavy spots, but, you know. Oh. Okay. I, I, think they, I, I thought the camera, I didn't think they were caught on the camera. So Travis will take the over. And uh, Travis says half Georgia's team will be in jail. Could be. <laughs> uh, boy, they do not like us, by the way, if you go to our YouTube page. Nick says Alabama doesn't have a quarterback. Neither Jaden Milrow or Ty Simpson scares me the way Bryce Young did. Amen. Bryce Young accounted for at least two wins in Alabama's. Season last year, that team was not very good other than Bryce Young. 
Don't undersell Ty Simpson, though. Yeah, I would agree with that. Really good. You can undersell Jalen Milrow. Yeah, you can. If Jalen Milrow is starting, that's because that's another piece of evidence that Nick Saban has no idea how to manage quarterbacks, which I've always said he doesn't. Nick saying breaking in two new coordinators, that's true. And then Mr. Jones has 15 wins. Okay. Let's let's chill out. New quarterback. uh, Joe Milton in year three of Heifel system can be a Heisman finalist and a top 10 draft pick. I will share this with you, talking to somebody in Tennessee's football program. You know the biggest motivating factor for Joe Milton right now? The disrespect he's getting? Mm -mm. It's a dude named Anthony Richardson. Oh, oh, look, Travis beat me to it. Uh, He put Anthony Richardson. So if Anthony Richardson can be a top 10 pick, and I wouldn't take him with a top 10 pick, but if he can, based off his combine numbers, and Caleb, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that Joe Milton thinks he can be a top 10 pick because he's going to do everything that Anthony Richardson did at the combine. And he's going to throw it farther, and he's going to do all the measurable numbers. If he can get through this season even half as successfully as Hendon Hooker, I can't believe I'm saying this, but that's a big if. Then Joe Milton's going to go to the combine and blow it up, and he's going to be a top 10 pick. I could actually see that. I could easily see that. You're right. If I mean, because I still don't, I still don't get how Anthony Richardson got there. And, and I'm going to say this up front. I think it's ridiculous that, that scouts overvalue the combine for quarterbacks. I mean, I've watched enough. Fo- yes. I, I said this 17 years ago when Jamarcus Russell threw 80 yards on his knees. And I was like, I don't care. I watched enough Jamarcus Russell in college to know that he's going to be a bust in the NFL. I thought he was an awful quarterback at LSU. No, no I, I'm with you. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying <clears> – I mean, I would take Bryce Young – over all the quarterbacks out there, Levis, Richardson, that have been combine warriors, I would take Bryce Young over all of them. I don't care if he's small inside of frame. If he ends up getting injured and his career's derailed because of that, at least I know in my heart of hearts I took the gamer, and I think he's a gamer. I don't think Richardson or Will Levis are gamers. Joe Milton might be. I'm not saying that I agree with that. Uh, taking Richardson or Milton in the top 10 based off measurables at the combine, but I think it could happen. Yeah, I, I agree. And and that, you know, intangibles are when I think this is coaches arrogance. There was a period where coaches finally started to say, we got to th- start thinking about quarterback intangibles. Hence the reason Tyler Bray didn't get drafted in 2011, low intangibles. But I think now there's this new with the Sean McVay, Cliff Kingsbury area, even though Cliff Kingsbury got fired, there's this new wave of coaches of, well, I'm the genius of the coach, so as long as they ha- fit the measurables, I can coach them to do this, even though the, the truth of the matter is the quarterback still has to have intangibles. Tyler Bray would have been a top-ten pick if he were in the draft this year. Top ten? I'll give you first round. His arm. His arm was insane. He's got a whip. I'm not, I'm not going to argue I mean, that. I'll give you first round. I don't know about top ten. That arm, that size and arm, that's a coach's dream. Now, the only thing is his lack of mobility. But in, in nowadays, coaches want a little more mobility in the NFL. It's a bit of a side armor guy, which is more acceptable than it used to be. But I don't, I don't know that I could go top 10. But I would go first round if, with the right coaching. 
Portions of the program brought to you by Zul Beer Company, xulbeer.com. Zul Beer, the official craft beer of Off the Hook Sports, worldwide award-winning craft beer and parking downtown. It is unbelievable, zulbeer.com. You will love the beer, you'll love the merch, and you will love the location, panoramic views of downtown. Give me two minutes, and we come back more football as we're going to link up with Fred White. But we're also going to have a spring preview of Tennessee's offensive line that you can check out on offthogsports.com. Linebackers as well. And is Tennessee's offense the new in-vogue look? One of Tennessee's opponents from last year has just openly said, hey, everybody, we're going to copy that. Stay tuned. Off the Hook Sports. Family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Inflation has risen to the highest level in over 40 years, according to the April 2022 U.S. Inflation Calculator. Will your investments provide you the income you need in retirement? Are you losing purchasing power of your savings due to inflation? Simply stated, if the cost of goods and services are 8% higher and you're only earning 4% in your investments, that money buys you less of what you need. Right now is the time to act. Call Guardian Investment Advisors today. Hey folks, Gary Viles here. I want to personally invite you to North Knoxville's newest sports bar and restaurant. It's Big Orange Phillies, located in Black Oak Center. And yes, folks, it's happening in halls. Big Orange Phillies offers family-friendly environment with homemade meals and the best deli-style subs around. Billiards, darts, jukebox, shuffleboard, and cornhole, and a full bar. We also offer valet parking on weekends and during special events. We even have a covered back patio. It's happening at Big Orange Phillies. We want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Dare to compare. Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finalists for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at CCTIs. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get cut, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. 
YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. Portions of the program brought to you in part by City Heating and Air Conditioning. CityHeatAndAir.com. Integrity matters. It's about to get warm. It's about to get hot. And a lot of those HVAC units are going to go down. Know that if you're in the Knoxville area, that City Heating and Air Conditioning will provide you with the service you need and not the service that would benefit them the most financially. Because a lot of people are just going to say, hey, put that new HVAC unit in. It's just eight or 10 grand. We can finance it. It's that easy. Well, City Heating and Air Conditioning is going to make sure that your unit gets what it needs. And that's not necessarily a replacement. City Heat and Air Com. Love city heating and air conditioning. So Travis says Josh Allen is the reason the NFL is in love with Will Levis. Some comparisons there. Big guys, big arms. But man, Josh Allen can run. I mean, really, really, really run. Like to the point that it could be a detriment to his career. Um, I don't think Will Levis is, is that talented. I see the comparison. Maybe Will Levis, Caleb, is a poor man's Josh Allen. Is that fair? A poor man's Josh Allen. And look, I I think Josh Allen is massively overrated too. And I've said that for a while. I just – he makes a lot of spectacular throws and make you fall in love with him, but he's got some underlying real issues with his game. He still doesn't know how to do the quarterback sneak. I don't know if you know that. He still doesn't know how to run the sneak right. Well, they had an offensive coaching, uh, co- offensive coordinator coaching change uh, from 2021 to 2022 that I think slowed his progression. But if I were an offensive coordinator and I had to pick a guy that's not named Patrick Mahomes, it would be Justin Herbert or Josh Allen that, that I would coach. Those would be the two guys right mm, now. I'd go Joe Burrow. Yeah, well, yeah, I love Joe Burrow too. I guess they're all three of them are kind of on that second yeah. tier. Yeah, I just, I, I think Josh Allen is in a tier with Lamar Jackson, quite honestly, where they both do a lot of good things, and with the good coach, you can get to the playoffs with them. But there are severe limitations in their games to where you know, like, I, you know, Lamar is never going to win a Super Bowl. I just, I know, I can just say it right now, he's not. There are too many accuracy issues that creep up in the playoffs specifically, and I can say the same with Josh Allen. We will have to agree to disagree on that. I think Josh Allen is far more capable of Lamar Jackson than winning a Super Bowl. I don't think Jackson wins one, but I, I think you and I have different opinions on Allen. So I, I like Josh Allen a lot. I mean, would I run over Dak Prescott in my car to get Josh Allen? Maybe. <laughs> As a Cowboys fan. I, you know, I, I, I'm going to tell you this. If my Titans, and they're not doing this, but if they were sticking with the same offense – if they were running the same offense that they had been running the last three years, which I would have been fine with, sticking with that power-eye offense with just play action, I'd rather have Ryan Tannehill than Josh Allen. I'd rather still have Ryan Tannehill than Josh Allen. Okay, somebody's been in the craft treats, taking the CBD <laughs> dog treats. All right, go to crafttreats.com, use the promo code off book, get 20% off. Uh, Mr. Jones says on a message board, Hendon Hooker is the best quarterback in this draft. Bryce Young is the best quarterback in this draft, but him yeah. Hooker might prove to be second. And Nick says the way Josh Allen runs the football concerns me. Totally agree. And Travis asking me as a Cowboys fan, um, where do you think Zeke will end up? 
I don't care. <laughs> Just not with that contract for the Cowboys. Let's take a look at Tennessee's offensive line and uh, also their linebacking core. As spring practice begins on Monday, a little bit lost in the shuffle for two reasons. One, you've got March Madness going on. Two, I don't think Josh Heupel works with Tennessee Sports Information Department and helping them provide information as far as a spring preview. You used to get this pamphlet or that is a big, it's almost a brochure or whatever you call it. And it have every position broken down. And you knew that most of that stuff was coming from the coaches and it was vanilla, but it was still information. You don't get that anymore. So go to off the hook sports.com. Today's tough question is now it's brought to you by Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han. I'm not wearing contacts. I'm not wearing glasses. That's because my vision is perfect. Distance and close up. It's unbelievable. And they did the monovision for me. They're local doctors, which you just don't see at other vision centers. They can handle your vision needs with their practices that are all over the Knoxville area, but they can also do the cataract surgery or the LASIK surgery like I did. You'll love Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Han. They are fantastic. All right. Tennessee's most improved unit from 2022 to 2023 will be? It's going to be weird because we covered them yesterday and they're not going to look most improved because who they're running behind won't be as improved. But I'm going to say running backs. I think running backs will be their most improved unit. Okay. I am going to say linebacker. And here's why. Because heading into the season last year, didn't we believe – that Jeremy Banks would be an impactful player, would be one of those guys that would change the course of a season, which he did in a bad way. Didn't we think he was on the verge of being one of the standout defensive players in the SEC at least, perhaps the nation? Well, here's what happened. Take away the Columbia collapse, of which he was a big part of that. He was not incredibly impactful throughout the season. As a matter of fact, he was Tennessee's second best linebacker to Aaron Beasley, who returns. Uh, Jeremy Banks, almost by subtraction, you get addition. So he's gone, and now I think that Tennessee will be better at the linebacker position, which nowadays pretty much consists of two people since everybody runs nickel all of the time. But the balls were 12th best in the SEC in pass coverage last season, 11th best in the conference in overall defense. That's not good. And I know that the secondary has to be discussed when you talk about pass coverage, but Caleb brought up the point early last year, and he hit the nail on the head, that the coverage in the second level was not good from Tennessee's linebackers. So I credit Aaron Beasley with quietly having a very good year. And while everybody was talking about Jeremy Banks in the preseason around South Carolina – his entire season, I think, was an incredible disappointment. Yeah, it was. It absolutely was. He wasn't the – and I missed I missed the vote on that. Last year, I, 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 I lashed out at all SEC voters for naming Jeremy Banks third team. I thought he should have been first team. And I said Tennessee needed 11 of him on defense. That's how 
Wow. So we yeah we were both in this in this realm, and I just he was a complete letdown, a complete disappointment. Did not improve his game and coverage. I can't believe he was on the all combine team. I'm sorry, I'm not touching him if I'm an NFL scout. Nope, me neither. And so, neither. yeah, I think that I get what you're saying with linebackers because Keenan Peely then comes in. Keenan, I don't know if Keenan Peely is as athletic as Jeremy Banks, but he's got better intangibles than Jeremy Banks. So I guess you're basing this off of the younger freshman linebackers like the Elijah Herrings and Caleb Perry's, one of them stepping up, and then Aaron Beasley improving dramatically. I'm basing it off two things. The two linebackers that will play the most, I believe, in Peely and Beasley. I believe Peely will be the tackle-to-tackle guy in the middle, and that will allow Beasley, who who made some plays behind the line of scrimmage last year. It may surprise you to know that, but I think that Beasley will be freed up a little bit with Peely handling the tackle-to-tackle spot. I don't know that Peely watching some tape of him is going to be a sideline-to-sideline guy like Banks was supposed to be and really was, but uh, Peely was BYU's second leading tackler last year. He had 62 stops. Uh, he's not a behind-the-line-of-scrimmage guy, so I want to see if that happens in Tim Banks' off defense because they ask people to do that. But if, if he's able to do some of that, great. If not, allow Beasley to do it. He, he had 76 tackles, led the balls in tackles for a loss with 13 I think that he's a very underrated player, not only at Tennessee, but in the entire conference. Now, so I'm gambling on those two guys, and then I'm also gambling at the fact that Banks' subtraction by addition will make the linebacker core better. And then if you want to throw in a third, you mentioned some of those names. They do need somebody else to step up, a young guy, a freshman, because they lose uh, Jawan Mitchell and uh, they lose Salon Page a third. But those guys were just kind of guys, really. No offense. Yeah, Mitchell I, Mitchell was a bit of a disappointment. Um, he was a four-star transfer from Texas. He was going to offset some of those losses. In his defense, he got he suffered a season-ending injury in 2021, came back in 2022, was struggling. But if you remember, Mitchell had a strong finish to the season. He did. I, I will say this. Him transferring was a shock to people like me because I thought there was going to be an open door for him to see a lot more reps this year. Maybe that leads to something. Maybe he knows something we don't. Maybe some of those younger linebackers have really taken that next level. That's always possible. Could be. Uh, could be that somebody stepped up. The thing about Jeremy Banks that I think was so frustrating from Tennessee standpoint is that he was so athletic. How do you not have him on the field? So even if a young guy's pushing him, are you going to take his his snaps away and then – you have to think to yourself, how's he going to react if you do? I know coaches say they're not going to worry about that. They're going to play who needs to play. But I'm just going to tell you from knowing coaches, there are a lot of times where a decision to play one dude over another is 50-50, Caleb, or even 60-40. So if you think this guy's going to be uh, a distraction in the locker room and you're 50-50 over whether or not he's a best fit against Team X that you're going to play on Saturday, you might play Banks just to take the safe route. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, sometimes you take the risk, sometimes you do the safe route. I, I agree. It's and it's it's tough to figure out how to balance that. Um, you know, I, I I go back. I'm trying to think of a time where, you know, when you cover, was there a time where you felt Fulmer made a decision because it was fifty fifty and he wanted to make sure he kept the player happy? 
because he didn't want to want to lose him or him to be a distraction? Um, I, if you combine distraction with talent, if you want to do the slash distraction slash talent, mm-hmm. James Banks. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes, I, I mean that—that's <clears throat> the ultimate player. That, that's one of the most gifted athletes that I've covered. But d- during practice, I can recall him drawing the coach's eye, and they said run, and he didn't. He just stood on the sidelines. He didn't run like he was supposed to. He—he he was as emblematic as any player that Tennessee has had during that era. Of if you can play, you can do what you want to off the field. Yeah, no. James rules. Banks was that dude, and maybe Jeremy Banks' no relation was as well. Yeah, except Heupel took a stance against Jeremy Banks, knowing what it might cost Tennessee. He did it anyway. He did in Columbia. Yeah, he did. But yeah. maybe he should have taken a step a little bit earlier, because uh, you got you got Jeremy Banks, who was a big Jeremy Pruitt guy, and they were still talking, and he didn't like the change. Um, some more things that I've been told since all that went down. Go ahead and hit that like button, Mr. Jones. Thank you for pointing that out. Like button and share. We greatly appreciate that. And uh, a little bit of defensive back talk. Let's go off script for a second because we have questions about that. Cornerback for today's tough question brought to you by Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han was the question by John said, how can you get worse? So i Cornerback, yes, they have got to get better there. Um, but defensive backs as a whole, you and I both like Trayvon Flowers a lot and thought he was overlooked. Are they better? In the, I mean, we're going to have a complete breakdown next week of the secondary, but are, are, are they better there this year by default? I am warning John Hill for saying that. Yes, it can get worse. I mean, it, it absolutely can. And I think you're going to see that this year without Trayvon Flowers. Because I like Jalen McCullough as a physical safety. I think he's a good playmaker. He knows where to kind of be on the field to make certain plays. I don't think he's as capable of covering for deficiencies at cornerback as Trayvon Flowers was. And so... That's that's my issue too, Caleb. I think we're saying the same thing. I don't know that they have the dudes. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think they have... I don't think they have the players. I mean, Warren Burrell is, is healthy again. Gave Judy Lally transfers. Maybe that helps a little bit, but like that, I, I feel like those improvements are that. I don't think Gabe Judy Lally is a number one cornerback. I don't think you think so either. I think maybe he could be a number. There's no cornerback on Tennessee that can guard a number one receiver. They haven't had it since Alante Taylor left, and they're not going to have it this year. John, I, I want to give you great news here, buddy, but I, I, I just, I don't, you. Hendon Hooker got coached up, okay? And there are a lot of players, and I think player development under Josh Heupel is vastly, vastly overlooked. I think he's incredible at that. So maybe they do it in the secondary. But I athletically don't look at guys that have great hips, that have great natural ability, maybe slaughter. I don't know if you mentioned him just now as I was addressing the message board. Maybe. But they need slaughter a little more at nickel. Because they need help there. I mean, because you and I both don't believe in Tamari McDonald that much at nickel. No, that's fair. Well, sorry to rain on your parade on St. Patrick's Day, guys. I really am, but... Here, okay, I'll say You this. know we're honest, at least. This will be the key, and we'll find this out in the screen, by the way. 
I'm not saying it will get worse. I'm saying it can. The key will be, does any of the new safeties coming in, does one of them prove they can step up and do what Flowers did? None of them have a lot of high star ratings, but part of playing safety is just understanding where to be on the field. And, you know, so maybe someone emerges at that other safety spot opposite McCullough. If that happens, we're having a different conversation. But they need to be somebody who's like, who has like genius football IQ that can pick up a play, that can pick up a defensive playbook in a month. Because uh, Mr. Jones brought up a great point. New dudes, Ricky Gibson, Jordan Matthews. So we're, we're saying they don't have the dudes now. In particular, of those two, I like Matthews watching his tape. So I could I could see him having an impact. And let's do give you a little bit of optimism, if, if I can. I've often said that other than running back, the easiest position to come in and contribute immediately is corner. You either have that natural ability or you don't. And you can tell the guy you, you can make his responsibilities limited at corner. Safety, it's not that easy. But at corner, you can do that. So perhaps it's Matthews or Gibson. In particular, I like Matthews. That is a real possibility, Caleb. Yeah, that, I could, that, that, that's a possibility. You're right. That could work. Um, so corner is easier than receiver? I think so. I think run, I, I think you can get – me personally, I think you can step in and be a lockdown corner, whereas if you run the wrong route in, as a receiver, that can lead to a turnover. I mean, me personally, if I were to list the easiest ones I, and, and the ones I would be most apt as a coach to put in, it's running back, obviously, run to the green, handle some pass pro, and then next it would be corner. But you could argue the other side and say receivers. You, I think you're. I think you're right. I, I didn't think about the route running because corner. Either way, you're just reacting to the route running, so you're not. So that makes sense. Um, and and honestly, Alante Taylor and Bryce Thompson both started a corner for Tennessee as true freshmen, and were always reliable. So, yeah, that, that that's a good point. Um, Travis says convert some of these wideouts to safeties. Maybe Jesus is terrible. Travis, it ain't that bad. Matthews or Gibson are going to show up. They they will get better. So, vastly improved, I don't know. But they'll get better in the secondary just by experience, right? Well, I think the cornerbacks will get better. I don't know if the unit as a whole is going to be better because I think Trey Flowers is going to be so missed. And I, you can't replace Trey Flowers and what he did. Again, this is a John Hefney situation, um, you know, like we've talked about. Rashad Baker. It's just a great comparison. You brought that up last year. It's a great comparison. Yeah, yeah. Those three safeties. All I remember Rashad Baker in 2003 – really sacrificed some of his draft stock because he was covering for some deficiencies. Rashad Baker sacrificed a lot. Two days before he was moved to defensive back, Philip Fulmer said he was the most fluid wide receiver that he had, he had ever seen in his career. Wow. So he, two days later, he was moved to defensive back, and Baker's got to be like, what the H? Well, they had to move him, though, because I remember that 2000 secondary couldn't buy an interception. And they needed de- – they desperately like, – like, Willie Miles was the best player in the secondary at that time, I felt like. Maybe Andre Lott. Um, hey, man, I'm, I'm not going to mention names, but the bottom line is the coaching – and Fred's not going to be able to join us. I hate that. But the, the coaching back then was so bad. So bad in the secondary. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to throw him under the bus. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's evolved through and through. But I, I, I was told by somebody that – 
very, very close to the situation. Jabari Greer showed up at the Buffalo Bills when he was drafted, and they told him, Jabari, do not worry about playing this year. You have to be completely coached. Forget everything you've learned in college. And he ended up having a pretty strong, what, seven, eight-year career? Oh, yeah, he was a very good defensive back for the Saints. Won a Super Bowl. Yeah, and he ended up with the Saints. He started with the Bills, ended up with the Saints, but they basically told him, forget everything you've learned in college. Well, it wasn't like – given the zone blitzes that Chavis dialed up all the time, which were such a big thing. I mean, it was, it didn't seem like if there was one position that they didn't, they put a lot of pressure on the cornerbacks, but they needed their cornerbacks to be athletic more than anything else. It seemed like with the schemes they ran in college. Am I right about that? That the, the, that Chavis struggled against athletic quarterbacks? No, 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 no. It seemed that for Chavis's system, it was more important for cornerbacks to just be athletic than to actually understand the, nuances of actually playing cornerback what man to man yes and they um you know they played a lot a lot of man a lot of man so remember the old grop used to be you're not looking at the ball yeah it, it would drop in over their head well it's because you're playing man all the time you can't look back at the ball if you look back at the ball when you're playing man you're gonna lose your receiver so i just thought his and I think it's proven out. I mean, John Chavis is now a middle school coach. So, I mean, he went to A&M. He went to Arkansas. If he has talent, like a lot of coaches, he can be successful. But is he a great X's and O's guy? Probably not. Um, I want to get to some more comments from the message board. And then also, uh, coming up, we're going to break down Tennessee's linebacker crew as spring practice begins on Monday and as Tennessee's offense, the new in vogue look, and there's already been somebody on the message board that must've seen the same story I saw because I have not given away the opponent that Tennessee played last year. That is going to just straight out copy the balls, but it's going to happen. I'll share that with you next. And we'll have a running back preview A spring camp is Monday and the balls played Duke on Saturday. There's a lot going on. You want to talk a little bit about Tennessee basketball? Throw the comments in there. We'll address. I'm kind of in a football sort of, of of mode, and it's an offensive line preview. Sorry, I misspoke. Not running back. Here we go. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off Look Sports. Sun, sand, and salt water. The beach is a very relaxing place, unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vasti's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vasti Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Hey folks, Gary Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car. It's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. 
We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's your man. Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finalists for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Here we go. Welcome back. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. It is uh, time to talk a little bit of Tennessee's offensive line better in 2023 after losing darnell Wright, quite possibly off the hook sports hit that like button we appreciate that and be sure and share it as well if you haven't downloaded the app you have to do so it is phenomenal you're listening to the dave hooker show a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. All right, so here we go. Tennessee Duke plays on Saturday, but we're going to talk a little bit of football. And we'll get a preview of Duke from uh, Caleb here in a little bit. But first, Tennessee spring practice begins on Monday. want to give you an offensive line preview, and you can check it out on offthehooksports.com. So when I say offensive line preview for spring camp, what's the first two words that should come to your mind? Start out right. How do you replace him? I think one of the most underrated headed into a season athletes that Tennessee's had in a long time. You're talking about a guy who can do backflips at 330 pounds. I was told of his athleticism early on in the 2022 season, and I kind of thought to myself, well, maybe, but can he handle Will Anderson? Turns out he can shut Will Anderson down. Turns out that he's climbing into the first round. There's no question about it, Caleb. That's a major, major hole to fill at right tackle. And as far as a utility guy, if anything had ever happened at left tackle, it would take two players out for him to play at left tackle. He could have played another position. He just is an all-around. There's nobody in the nation that wouldn't take Darnell Wright right now, given what we saw last year. Major, major void for the balls to fill. Huge void rare, rare talent. Again, he was the only unanimous five-star on last year's team for a reason. He was a baller. Um, it's going to be tough to replace him. I think Tennessee has some options. They're working through th- through some things. Um, but that was the most underrated part of the offense last year was just how good Darnell Wright was. Um, 
And I'm still not over the fact that Darnell Wright and Trey Smith started on the same offensive line for two years and Tennessee never did better than eight and five with Jimmy Pruitt. I mean, like that alone, you should have been able to average like seven yards a carry, no matter who was running back with those two on the line. Yeah. Oh, bullethead. All right. So uh, center Cooper Mays will be the strength of this unit. I believe Um, he got through last season completely healthy. Uh, he was once thought of as undersized. Now he's an all SEC performer. He was picked uh, by the media in SEC media days as all SEC. So Cooper Mays will be uh, the guy who leads the unit. And I think has Tennessee in great hands at the center position. And of course we love him on our YouTube channel. We'll have a new podcast with him later today behind him. If something were to happen would be Ollie lane, maybe, a Parker ball, but you don't want to lose Cooper Mays. I was going to tell you that at right guard, the Vols are also in good hands. It'll be Javantes Spragans. He started 12 games uh, last season. And um, as far as right tackle replacing right, I'm told it'll be Jeremiah Crawford and Gerald Mincy. They'll battle for playing time this spring, uh, but that could last into fall camp. So your thoughts on Crawford and Mincy? at right tackle in place of right? I thought last year Crawford was getting more playing time just because Mincy was developing at the position. I, I think Mincy explodes this year and takes it by takes it by storm. Yep, I think we're on the, the same page there. Now, a guy that I had heard mixed reviews when he showed up on campus was uh, John Campbell. And I was kind of wondering if, if he was one of those transfers that comes in and then you're like, fine if he leaves. But – now I've heard good things about him. He transferred from Miami. I think at the very least he'll get the early shot at spring practice uh, to be that starting left tackle. So we, we look at left tackle. You mean right tackle? Uh, no. We, oh, you, oh, I thought you were talking about Joe Mincy and Crawford for left tackle. Sorry. No, I've been told they'll be a right tackle. Oh, so, okay. All right. So we'll, we'll see, but that's the, what I've been told. So Campbell – I think is is a guy at the tackle position. He transfers from Miami. And then the guy that I think is a budding young star is Andre Keurig, who transferred from Texas. I think uh, Keurig is going to be really good, a dominant guard at uh, left guard. I think he's going to be very, very good. Can't wait to get my coffee and watch him play. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> um... See, is there an NIL opportunity out there for him? There should some 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 cure egg company has got to work with them on this. I mean, this is like, this is this is too good. Um, I'm with you. I think cure egg. Uh, I I thought he would. I thought he. I thought Keurig and Mincy would be the starters at tackle. I thought Keurig would be right tackle. Mincy would be left. But apparently, you're saying Mincy will be left and Keurig will be right. Um, or Mincy will be right and Keurig will be left. I think this is all very pliable. I mean, okay. I think you, when you head into spring, you'll see. I think that's the way they would want it to work out. A lot of times we view left tackle in, in, in football traditionally as the more important position. I don't know that it's any more important uh, in Josh Heupel's offense, the right or left. I think that's was evident by seeing Darnell Wright move to the right. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. Again, we talked about it. There were just no options at left tackle um, that first year. So right moved over there. And also you had Cade Mays, who was a natural right tackle. So, you know, Cade Mays could really only play right tackle you want Darnell Wright out on the field and you want Cade Mays out on the field when you have both of them. So, you know, that makes sense to move 
right to left tackle there. Um, I think, um, I think particularly with, there was always a few, des- when you have a quarterback where you call at least three to five designed runs in a game, on those, the right tackle is equally as important as the left tackle. And I think that does matter more to a certain degree. Um, yep. So, yeah. So I think Tennessee will be, uh, I think in some ways they'll be better on in the offensive line, even without Darnell Wright. That's a leap. That's, it's a leap? <laughs> I don't, Yeah. You're and Jerome Carvin is going. Okay, I'll take back better as a whole. But I think they will be. I think they are better. How about this? They're better equipped to handle a loss of a Darnell Wright than they would have been in previous years. Yeah, I could go with you on that. I think this offensive line unit. Put it this way: this offensive line is deeper than last year's offensive line. I don't necessarily know if it's better. Would you rather have a like there's a better 10 on this offensive line. Last year was a better five. Does that make sense? Yeah. So would you rather have a better five or a better 10? I mean, I don't know. Um, so that's the real question. Um, gosh, if I knew they were all going to be healthy like last year, which they were for the most part, I would take the better five. I would take right. the very good five over the kind of good 10. But can't guarantee that and you know Tennessee was very fortunate in the lack of injuries that they suffered as a whole but in particular um on the offensive line so especially with Cooper Mays I mean the previous year he had had injury issues and you're thinking to yourself can can he make it through a season but to Cooper's credit man he 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 worked his way into a bigger athlete and just I think is is it's turned into one of the better offensive linemen in the SEC and definitely one of the best centers. So getting some comments by Cade Klubnick, uh, who Tennessee played in the Orange Bowl, Clemson quarterback, he specifically pointed out Tennessee and Tennessee's tempo as something that Clemson would try to attain. So is this the first that we're going to see um, yes. Is it the last? I don't think so. I think you've you've seen a lot of teams look at Tennessee and what they've been able to do with what is slightly above average talent, not great talent. I think that's going to prove out uh, with Jalen Hyatt and you and I have talked about. But the way that Tennessee's been able to throw tempo at people, is it replicable is the question. People will try to replicate it, but is it replicable? What do you think, Caleb? Well, it is because it's already replicated. I mean, remember, Lincoln Riley runs the exact same offense as Josh Heupel out in California. They have the same system. I mean, that was why it was so ingrained, I don't know the word, angering to Josh Heupel that Bob Stoops scapegoated him and fired him. And then he goes and brings in Lincoln Riley, who was running the same offense that Josh Heupel wanted to run, but Bob Stoops wouldn't let him run. <laughs> and so, but, but let me ask you this, because there's kind of a different question that I have. Aside from Lincoln Riley, aside from Josh Heupel, the guys that are currently doing it, and I guess you could include Sonny Dykes, even though that's different, but it is tempo. Can you just up and say, hey, we're going to run 85 plays a game? I think that's easier said than done. Yes. I think think Garrett Riley at Clemson can do it because he is a Sonny Dykes disciple. The problem is – what people aren't getting about Josh Heibel's offense is it's not just tempo. It, that, that's not the only thing that gives him an advantage. 
It's the way he spreads the fields with the trips at receiver. It's the way he actually utilizes the running game really effectively. I don't think Garrett Riley – Garrett Riley is a Sunny Dykes disciple. I don't think he's going to be running the ball that much. Do you, Dave? Uh, no. Um, and I, I think where you're – now, here's the thing about Clemson. If Brent Venables is still there as the defensive coordinator, you're going to get major pushback from the second most accomplished coach on your staff, aside from Davo Sweeney. So I, I don't think that a program can just up and say we're going to be tempo because that is an entire program build that you do, which includes practice, which includes your emphasis on offensive players and recruiting, which to some extent de-emphasizes defense. So I don't know that you can just up and replicate that if that's not in your DNA. Now, I can watch film all day long. Uh, of Michael Jordan, but I'm not going to be able to jump up and dunk a 10 foot goal tomorrow. Yeah. The only coach who I knew that was somewhat adept at doing that, that would take different things and try to adapt year in and year out was David Cutcliffe, but he still had a base system. Like I remember when David Cutcliffe ran the, remember when he installed the no huddle Eric Angel senior year. Um, yes. But there, it wasn't like they were running tempo with the no huddle. They were basically just calling the plays, but they just weren't huddling. You'd have to see Eric Ames looking at the sideline for every play <laughs> to be called. Yeah, they just basically didn't want you to sub. Yeah, exactly. And so it's – so. It, but this is – you're right. It's it's more of a 180. I didn't even think about it like that until you brought it up. It, it's, it's like if – it's like a college basketball team saying – we're going to go from the motion offense to the flex offense overnight, and we're going to fully run tempo. Now it's possible. Look, Bear Bryant installs the wishbone out of the blue in 1970 and revitalizes his career doing it. And well, in Tennessee in 89 went from the 3-4 to the 4-3 because they started 0-6. Yeah, that's right. They did. They did. So you can make vast changes to your scheme – but this is a this would be a program changer. If if like let's take Mark Stoops. If he up and decided the only way I'm gonna win the SEC East is to run tempo and throw my defensive history to the wind, he can't up and do that tomorrow. He doesn't have the ability. You mentioned the dribble drive with John Calipari at Kentucky. Well, why can they do that? Because they have the best athletes a lot of times. And they can beat you one-on-one, and then you have to help. You can't just up and do that with five dudes. And I don't think that other football programs, Caleb, can just up and do that. I don't think it's replicable easily. Well, also with – this, we watched that Clemson. I don't think Clemson is the same at receiver that they were a few years ago. I don't think they have the same elite weapons. And that's the thing. That's the big part about this offense more than anything. You have to have receivers that are really, really, really fast. Um, that is, I mean, I, it's weird because Heibel's going for size more than, but I, I think all the receivers are still pretty quick off the step they can, that they can break bump coverage because they have to be able, again, the, the routes aren't complex, but it is important for the receiver to get behind the cornerback. The <laughs> That's crucial. And they have to be fat. The only way the, the reason Heibel's offense is so successful is because you can't disguise when you're blitzing. But the only way that works is if the receivers are so fast that if you try to disguise it, you're going to get burned, if that makes sense. And so, I yeah, I don't know if Clemson can actually run that. Um, they could still probably run tempo. Look, they ran a spread with Dabo and with Tony Elliott, so I'm sure they could do it. I don't think this is a. I don't think it's as drastic as 
what you said Mark Stoops doing would be. That would be a, that's a lot more drastic. I think this is a little more possible. Mr. Jones says, I think Kaipel has his own twist on the offensive style. I agree with that. It's a combination of not only tempo, but wide splits that uh, Tennessee uses, which for those that aren't following that you have the receiver spread across the field horizontally. Um, Mr. Jones also saying quarterback and running back on the same page and have option routes. The defensive back can't prepare for that is true as well. But the, the best point I think you brought up, Mr. Jones, is Hypo having played quarterback helps him in understanding what truly works to beat different coverages. I agree with that. There, there's something just innate about Hypo's ability to look at a defense and his ability to translate looking at a defense to whoever is in the press box. It would be Joey Halsley, I would imagine, this fall. But whoever his offensive coordinator is, playing quarterback really helps in that regard. Yeah, also who he played for, because he went from, let's not forget this, he went from Mike Leach in 99, where he learned the air raid, and then he played for Mark Mangino in 2000, who was a totally different type of offensive coordinator and was almost like a creative former, if that makes sense with his approach. You know, he was he approached more from the line. That's why Heifel's teams are much more physical than your typical, I guess you call this veer and shoot offense. Um it's like it's it's Art Briles and Mike Leach. The offense is you take what Art Briles ran and you take what Mike Leach ran and you combine the two. And I, I think that I think his is a lot more physical. Actually, that that is a difference between him and Lincoln Riley. His offense is more physical than Lincoln Riley's offense too. Um, I I, I do think this will be possible. It's funny you bring up three four to four three. I think Tennessee fans have a little bit of trauma from twenty twelve with the four three to three four. I think that whole shift is overrated. I, I I don't think that was about to switch from four three to three four. I think Sal Sincere was just a bad defensive coordinator, honestly. Uh yeah, it's horrible. As I was told by one coach that coached with him at Alabama, said he's not very bright and he's not good with people. Other than that, he'll do great. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's pretty clear cut. If you're not smart, I mean, the guy was being sarcastic. If you're not smart and you're not good with people, how good are you going to be at any endeavor? And he was a terrible defensive coordinator. Yeah, terrible, terrible. I think Tennessee could have had the – I mean, he said at one point – I mean, I'll never forget, he did the reverse of Monty Kiffin. Monty Kiffin, to his credit, when he was at Tennessee, when he was installing his cover two, he said, it's more important to play fast than to learn the offense than, – than to learn the defense. And Sal Sinceri did the ex- had the exact opposite approach. <laughs> yep. Well said, he's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. We'll be with you on Monday, 10 a.m. Eastern time. Also, we'll do a we're doing a post game show for Tennessee Duke. Will it wrap up the season, or will it be one of the biggest wins in Tennessee basketball history? And I'm not overstating that. Check out offthooksports.com for position by position previews of the balls as they open spring camp on Monday. And we'll have recruiting news. Recruiting starts are going to ramp up as they'll have prospects in every weekend to see practice and all that good stuff. And uh, also basketball coverage, more and more and more on offthooksports.com. Download the app today. Put that on your to-do list right now. If you're like me, you've got the little reporter's notepad right here. We'll put download the app on it. So we want you to take part in that. Uh, Caleb, last thing, Tennessee Duke, who you got? I've got Duke. I've got Duke. And guys, I'm not a Tennessee hater. I want to be wrong. It's good for us. 
it's good for us if Tennessee wins and goes to the Sweet 16. That's more coverage for us. I'll be different. I'll take the Vols by two. Viscovi answers the critics, scores 24 points, and hits the game-winning shot in the final seconds. Okay. All that right. is a very specific pick. That is. That is. If Viscovi hits a game-winner, I'm just – I don't know what I want to do. Um, I'll be shocked. Santiago Vescovi. I just like saying his name. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Off the Hook Sports. Off the Hook Sports.com. Download the app. We'll talk to you on Monday or actually Saturday after the Duke game. Have a fantastic weekend, everyone.